0: Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn. Horror still in Amityville, bayonet in Gettysburg. Mothman, TNT, factory, red eyes, low beam. Dog man, howling in the street. i typically skeptical of what I see. Voodoo hoodoo in New Orleans, thunderbird, swamp thing. Is it real? I was wondering. Typical.
1: Skeptic. Show. Sure. Typical. Skeptic. Show. Sure. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. This is going to kind of be like my tribute to Halloween type episode. I have a prolific paranormal author with me. And when I say prolific, I mean, this woman has written over 24 paranormal books, both fiction and nonfiction. She's an amazing author, and the way I first found out about her was she covered the Hanover Haunting, which was the Deanna Simpson case, which is like a a case of real haunting. It was just like a really, like, we're going to talk about it tonight, but she also, uh, she has her newest book. It's called The Haunted Posey County, which is a a county, I'm guessing, near her state in Indiana, and she also owns and operates a popular ghost walk business in the haunted town of New Harm and that's in Indiana and I'm just going to give you who I'm speaking of is Joni Mahan and like I said she's a prolific author some of her books are Bones in the Basement Surviving the S.K. Pierce Haunted Victorian Mansion we're going to be talking about that Hanover Haunting the Deanna Simpson Story Haunted New Harmony Signs of Spirits When Loved Ones Visits The Soul Collector I'd love to talk about that Ghost Magnet When Ghosts Are Near we talked about that last time she was on Devil's Toy Box, A True Paranormal Story, Dark and Scary Things, A Guideline to the Paranormal World, Demon a la Mode, that was just written in 2021. The Spirit Board and The Corvus, which I don't know what that means. I'll ask her about that. But we're going to maybe go through a lot of these books. And and since it's kind of like a paranormal episode, and we're going to get into some of these cases. Now, a lot of these are real cases of real hauntings that really happen. So that's kind of what makes me think that, well, there really is an afterlife. And that's why I like having people like Joni on the show, because she can kind of prove that there's an afterlife. Um, And I want to give her a big welcome to the show. Joni, thank you for coming back on my show. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back on. This is exciting. Good week to do it, too.
1: Yeah. yeah. Happy Halloween. You, too. Thank you. Yeah. So, OK, so I, I guess we can get into this first. You, you wrote this book back in 2014, but you said it's like going on right now. Like it's it's a hot topic. And this is the bones in the basement surviving the S.K. Pierce haunted Victorian mansion. What was up with this case? And um, is it what's going on with that?
0: Well, it's such a fascinating story because this old Victorian mansion built in 1875 had seen better days, and it was sitting on the corner of some pretty busy streets in uh, Gardner, Massachusetts, and everybody knew it was haunted. It had already been on Ghost Hunters, and uh, there were stories circulating about things that had happened there. I was aware of it. I used to drive by it all the time, and I'd look at those windows, and then It went up for sale, and I remember at the time, I was thankful I already had a house because I would have been so tempted to try to buy it, and this couple from the Boston area purchased it, Lillian and Edwin Gonzalez. They were both very uh, intrigued by the house. She had always loved Victorian since she was a little girl, and she wanted to always own one. It was her dream. They found out it was haunted right before they purchased it. But neither one of them believed in ghosts. Well, I think he believed a little bit more than she did. But uh, they were adamant that nothing was going to happen. People had active imaginations. And they lasted two years before they were literally driven out of the house. Um, The house sat vacant for a few years. And that's really the story of Bones in the Basement. It is uh, their experience for those two years. But uh, the house sat empty for two years. They literally, when they fled, they went to live in her sister's basement in a room that was smaller than any one of the rooms in this massive victorian that they owned and they finally just put it up for sale they couldn't handle it anymore and they got lucky because the person that purchased it had the money to fix it up and i kind of feel like that's maybe why they were chased out of the house because they couldn't afford to do the renovations the house was it was getting worse and worse all the time. It wouldn't have lasted too many more years without a new roof and all the renovations that it ended up getting. But uh, this dentist from New Jersey who owned uh, already owned a paranormal business called the dark carnival, which was kind of a Halloween era amusement where they put up big tents and there were a lot of creepy clowns and people paid tickets to go through that. So he was the right person to purchase this. And over the last i don't know it's probably been 7 years that they've been working on this house and battling with the town over permits and the town wasn't a big fan of it even though this is bringing in tons of people well lo and behold about a month ago they finally got everything in place and it's now open for for tours and so people are going through there for the first time after you know 7 years of work and uh, it's still creepy it's beautiful now but it's still very much haunted and I got a chance to actually go back in August and tour it because I got to take part in a show that got filmed there uh, partially filmed there and I don't know when that'll be on but I can tell you that the the main star of that show is uh, um, Vanessa Hudgens oh so, wow yeah so i don't know when it'll be on what it, what channel but if they're talking about it, it's going to be a 90 minute uh script unscripted sh- movie and it's called That's the girl Death. from
1: disney channel right or she was uh, a yeah.
0: musical high school musical yeah so the show is going to be called dead hot season of the witch because they also spent a lot of time in salem which is not that far from gardner
1: so their witchcraft ties to the property
0: um i really don't think so i think that they were really going for the paranormal aspect in that building and and i I believe they got it i don't know and i can't really talk about anything that happened uh during their filming but i honestly don't know because i really wasn't there for it but let me ask uh, you
1: this this first couple that was in there for two years and they got driven out here's my question like what did they experience? If you, if you could get into it. And then the, the the deeper question is why are some people able to handle ghosts and actually like living with ghosts and then other people are just driven mad? Like, what is it that they are? Do the ghosts have an affinity towards people? I know, Yeah.
0: Oh, I think so. I think, um, I think they pulled them in initially because they, they, I don't know, maybe they liked them. Um, But when they were there for some time and they started opening up the house to investigation. So I guess I should start off with some of their first experiences. So they moved in and they had no intention of opening this up as, you know, a paranormal hotspot for people to investigate or anything like that. Uh, They just wanted to live there and it needed so much work. It didn't really have, it it had no heating. Um, They had, they had two pellet stoves they bought. So they would heat, they heated two rooms in the house. One was the kitchen and one was his office on the second floor. So the first winter that they owned it, they couldn't stay there. It was too cold. So, I mean, this is Massachusetts. It's brutal cold there. Yeah. And uh, she would come back. She would come over. Uh, It was about an hour from Boston and she would come periodically and decorate. Like she had um, the mantle decorated for Christmas. And that was actually one of the first paranormal encounters they had. She had some big glass bulbs that she put on the mantle, nestled in greenery, very secure up there. Every time she came back, one of them would be in the middle of the floor, unbroken. You know, it's glass. If it would have fallen, you'd think it would have broken. And she kept putting it back and putting it back. And um, finally, on one of their trips, they brought family with them to show them the house. And they were in the kitchen eating pizza that they had gotten from the pizza place across the street. And all of a sudden, one of these big plant stands that they had and the big, heavy plant stands went skidding across the room just all by itself, like somebody was pushing it. And there was no denying that that was something paranormal because there was no explanation. And, you know, most of the book, you know, revolves around weird things happening and Edwin trying to explain it. You know, um, he he had so many crazy things happen to him, especially Uh, he had a full bodied apparition pop up right in front of him like he saw it. It was scared him so bad he fell backwards on out of his chair. He was in his office. Um, She kept thinking that she was talking to a little child. And we do think there's children ghosts there. Um, but, you know, sometimes ghosts pretend to be children to make us more comfortable with them so that we'll, we'll come in. And I kind of feel like that might've been what happened to her. I mean, you know, she ended up getting pinned to the bed and, uh, they just had so many crazy things. I think scary stuff, like the apparition was scary. They never knew what was going to happen. Like they would be laying in bed and he would be looking out into the hallway and he would literally watch his shadows. Like walked across the doorway. And one night they had the door shut and they heard uh a loud banging at the door, like so loud that it rattled the windows across the room. And their dogs, they had two little dogs, they jumped up and started barking at the door. And he went and opened the door thinking somebody, I don't know, broke in playing a joke. And of course there was nobody there. And he searched the house, doors were locked, nobody was around. So they had that happen a couple times. So I um, befriended them. Well, I wouldn't go away. They, when they opened it up for investigations, I was one of the first people in. I volunteered every chance I got for whatever they needed and eventually become like a one of the caretakers. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Marion Luoma. She is the head manager of the house, but I would help her. And I had a key to the door, um, which was <laughs> probably not great because I was very much pulled to the house. And I've watched that over the years. A lot of people have definite pulls to the house. Like, I feel like the house pulls people in for specific purposes. And I think my purpose was probably to write the book, because there were so many misconceptions and stories that weren't true circulating about the house. And I'm a good researcher. I like to dig in. I did a lot of interviews. I spent a lot of time at the library and the Historical Society and newspaper and Pulled as much information as i could and discredited a lot of those um stories about the haunting that weren't true and put it all together in a book and um you know it's an e-book as well it's also an audio book and that has an interesting um story behind it as well the um i when you put books up on audible you put up a snippet of them of, of people actors voice actors to read to to Audition for. And one of the guys had a really deep voice, and I'm like, oh, I don't know. And then he messaged me, found me on Facebook, messaged me. He said, My name is Samuel Hoke. And I don't know if you remember meeting me or not, but I played um, the role of Bill Wallace, who's a character in that story that really, you know, he's deceased now, but he played when it was on a haunting, he was the actor that played the role of, of Bill Wallace. And so it was just serendipity for me. And and it's gone on to do really well on Audible. And um, I love it because Bill Wallace was one of my favorite people. And um, he had a heart condition. He ended up dying probably about four, four years ago, five years ago. Um, but, you know, he had a big role in the book as well. He was kind of the protector. So
1: Why was he cool called to- Bones in the Basement?
0: Because that's one of the stories. And um, I didn't want to call it The Victorian because somebody else had already written a book called The Victorian. Um, but she was almost overtaken at one point. And, well, she was overtaken. And she got up one morning and Edwin was still in bed and he was laying there watching her get up and she was humming, something she never did, was getting ready. She got on her good clothes like she was getting ready to go somewhere. And he worked from home. He had a home office. So he went up. He was. She wouldn't talk to him, which, you know, she had that about her. Sometimes she was just her own person and did what she kind of wanted to do. And so he went up and started working. And after a few hours, he thought, I wonder where she went. I never heard her leave. And he looks out and her car still there. So he searches the house to try to find her. And he ends up in the basement. And there she is. They have an old kiln that the previous owners used to use to, I don't know, burn things or maybe cook over. Um, Very hard to say. It was back in the area. I used to call it the summer kitchen, but I've been corrected. They say it's the laundry room. I don't know. But anyways, there's an old kiln in there. And she was digging, 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 digging. And it was packed to the top with ashes. And as she got further down, she was finding old newspapers from like the 1920s. And at the very bottom, she found bones oh my god and and he uh she showed him to him and they uh took him to his he was they had a doctor's appointment so he took him in and showed him to his doctor and he said that looks like a child's pelvic bone
1: Um,
0: so they ended up turning it over to the state police and um never heard anything back and then finally she went down and you know a month or two later and said did you know you haven't gone back to me what was it and they said oh don't worry about it it wasn't human so I mean you know and then the bones disappeared they never saw them again so I don't know there I feel a cover like up there? Uh, maybe maybe they just didn't want to deal with it maybe they were so old that it they didn't want to deal with it or I don't know there was uh, the town was not happy with the house like they weren't happy with them doing investigations because it I don't know the streets were packed and I the town just never was happy with investigations at that house and they they still give them troubles so. Um, you know
1: <laughs> that's so interesting I, I was thinking i was thinking about ghosts like well wh- i'm wondering why like okay like if somebody gets overtaken in a house like does it seem like if the ghost can mess with you they will mess with you more and more and here's why i have to say this like i thought that for some reason i might have an entity here i just moved into this property and i found like so so bizarre i i, I the girl i'm dating saw this the other day we were at a restaurant and on my neck here there was red marks like and and i didn't like you know like sleep with anything tight on or nothing like that, like, but, you know, like, I noticed that, like, sometimes, like, in at night, like, something will be, like, grabbing me like like you know, grab like something will grab my leg like and this isn't me like hallucinating or anything you know this is and this all started when I did a podcast like I did a podcast like a couple months ago and I had a psychic on and she said there's a spirit in your house and I was like oh my god it was behind me and we saw like right here where this wooden closet is it looked like the spirit was ingrained into the closet like people get you know like people went back and watched the podcast and they were like oh yeah we definitely saw it but like it's hard to see because like she's talking at one point and like you can see her screen. So you can't really see mine. And I know that's not an excuse because I know a lot of times like, you know, people come up with, I'm just telling like what I experienced, you know? So I've been, you know, using sage um, a little bit. I have like a liquid sage. I put it in the diffuser along with some other oils, but like, you know, I, I so I guess my questions are like, it can a ghost like really, really start to bother you if they feel like they have you. Or, or, what's how does that work? Like, is, is it
0: a weird I think it depends on what kind of ghost you have. So, the, some of them are just there and they don't do anything. Um, and sometimes, if you just acknowledge them and let them know, look, I know you're there. Would you please stop doing things to scare me? Uh, and it usually sometimes it'll calm down. And other times, you just get jerks or you get pranksters, people, you know, ghosts that like to mess with you, they like to get a rise out of you. Um, I, I can tell you that they can come through podcasts. Um, I just had one pop in through here and uh since we've been on this call and it's male, um tall, dark haired, thin, uh, maybe 1920s. Um I don't think he really wants anything. I think he enjoys scaring you. Um so, oh, so he's, that's him?
1: You he's here in my yeah. room? Is he here now? Yeah,
0: yeah. Well he he's right here right now. So he pops through to see. And that happens to me a lot. I was a co-host on a paranormal podcast for almost a year, and it was just getting ridiculous because every time we'd have an investigator on, and we had a lot of you know top-level, really people that go to scary places, and you know they they have attachments whether they know it or not. They have a ghost with them, and they can come through electronics. They can you know they can there's energy cords, and they can zip through. They don't have to you don't have to be in person with them, and I every week I had a new ghost and it was getting kind of out of hand and that's one of the reasons why I quit being a co-host because I was getting too many attachments every
1: week no, Um, it, it's all energy right like are yeah, energy like yeah, that, that's uh-huh. what have you ever like like looked into what you think like this afterlife might be like what I mean because I was thinking I thought about this one time I thought what if the afterlife is just another like version of this reality like you just wake up and you're dead but you have clothes on you're functioning and you can do this and that but it's just a complete different reality than what or what do you think that reality is
0: um you know i don't know and we keep trying to figure it out you know we i've done well over 300 paranormal investigations and i still do them all the time and i always ask questions about what the afterlife looks like and I don't get a lot of answers. And, you know, we could go to a place where there's a known haunting and not get names of people that we expect to get them from. So, you know, I, I feel like it's um, sometimes like when you use the spirit box, you may be, you know, maybe like ghost radio, like you're tuning into another dimension and anybody can come through. So it may not be anybody that's there from, that location i I start to suspect that because i'm always asking questions like i'll say if you can see me what color am i wearing and and black would be a good good answer or a good guess because that's usually what i have on um but you know i've gotten blue i've gotten other answers they're so all hold up you know i'll hold up my hand and i'll say how many fingers am i holding up And I always hold up three. That way I will always remember if I go back and listen to the audio. And I'll I'll, I'll hear numbers. Like, they're intelligent. They're aware of what I'm asking, but they can't see me because it's very rare that they actually are able to answer that question. So I think visibility is a little difficult for them. Um, I feel like maybe they are in another dimension, uh, but it's not heaven. You know, because people that die and cross over and go to heaven, if they come back to visit family, they don't leave EVPs, in my experience. They they do gentler things, like they may leave a feather on your pillow, or a song might come on the radio that makes you think of them. Or, um, you know, they send you people that you need at that moment. Like, um, I don't know, you're having a hard time, and all of a sudden, a really good person comes into your life that's a good friend. Uh, things of that nature now ghosts they're more physical Um, as a medium I can feel them I can hear them I know when they're there if I tune in I get more information Um, but you know and they're prone to doing things like making noises um, trying to uh, trying to either get your attention or um, mess with you you know sometimes they just want a human experience they just want to be with you They just want somebody, especially if you're aware of them and, and you are because you have so many people on your show who are tuned into this. So it gives them an edge.
1: So do you believe in the reincarnation or do you, do you think that we just like, what are your thoughts on all that?
0: Oh yeah. I definitely believe in reincarnation. Um, I believe that, you know, once we cross over, um, we spend as long as we want to in heaven and we meet with our spirit guides and we you know review our lives and maybe what we could have done better what we did well and and we make a plan to come back you know to learn the things that we want to learn that way we can be the best that we can possibly be and we'll set up life plans like you know um you know I really need to work on um humility that's a big one like you know people come back and they put themselves in you know, horrible situations so that they really, truly learn humility. And, you know, you'll see people complain like, you know, my life is awful. And, uh, you know, it's like you chose this, believe it or not. Um, And if you pass it and you do well, and, you know, then you won't have to repeat it. But uh, I've done a couple past life regressions. And in one of them, I wanted to specifically know why I was afraid of falling. Like I've always had this terror of that, you know that roller coaster feeling when you when you drop, and and heights as well. I get like just a sense of almost vertigo when I get near something tall. And if I would have guessed what the um, what the reason was, I would have guessed that in a past life that maybe I fell off a cliff or fell out a window or something like that. And that's really what I was expecting. But instead, uh, I was taken back to the Wild West. And taken into a log cabin and I met a man um, that was me in that life so I was a man and it's interesting because his name was Joseph which is kind of funny because my ex-husband's name is Joseph and um, um, so it was you know it was like okay this is you know interesting and uh, it was not a name I would have picked if I were making it up myself let's just put it that way And, you know, he showed me his life and um, he was wrongly accused for something and um, he was hung. They took him to the gallows or to the, you know, to the stage, like with the raised platform and the rope was put around his neck and the floor fell out and he dropped. And um, the person doing my regression pulled me out right before he dropped. But that dropping, that feeling, that's why I'm uh, afraid of heights and falling in this life.
1: That's amazing. So, I, I I've done yeah. some regressions as well. Like they're 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 definitely weird, right? They uh mm-hmm. they they uh they they yeah. I I was like fifty. I just said this in my last podcast. I was like fifty fifty on mine. I was like because if in a way, like I, I almost felt like I was like, where is this information coming from? And we talked about that. I had Shelly Care on just right before you. She's like a past life regressionist, and like we were trying to figure out. Like she she said she said she doesn't even know. She said I'm not even sure if it's like you know if it's from the collective consciousness where this comes from or the akashic records or whatever you want to call it but it's something mm-hmm. that we're able to tap into like you know yeah. and, and, and you know it could be other people's lives, or it could be our lives right it could be our lives
0: right right and i also believe that we travel together in soul packs of soul family so i feel like that we in reincarnate with the same people. And, and I found it true, like, you know, and they may not be with us the, our whole life, but they will pop in and have an important role. And I have definitely felt really close to people before a connection that I couldn't understand, like instantly best friends or just an instantly drawn to people. And I, I'm not really a, I don't know, I'm an empath introvert. So I don't necessarily get out and attach myself to people. Um, so when I do meet somebody that I really take to, I know that they probably were soul family in another life. And, you know, you'll experience things together. Um, and then, you know, eventually you reincarnate again together at another time. Yeah, I think that's I- comforting.
1: I feel like I I met someone recently that I I feel like we've like known each other for like multiple lives. Like it seems like I I I just I've known this person for a long time. Like mm-hmm. it's it's very strange. Like and and it's almost like a like a like a, when I met her I I uh I I met her at the grocery store. Like I I just hit on her, but it was because she had like a Ouija board shirt on, and I was like it was like, you know, like, I I just, something told me to talk to her. Like something was telling me, like, it was something was like pulling my arm and saying, Hey, you need Uh to talk to this girl. And I did. And then we, it turned into like emails and conversations. Then we met up and we found out we had like all these weird synchronicities. Like all we have all, all these, like, we even had like two, both had parents die at the same year which was 2001 so just like very weird things and and it's like we i couldn't even count it on two hands i mean there's a lot of synchronicities but and it's not just that it's just like a knowing that i've known this person for like ever or something i i I, it's so strange like i wonder how that happens and then i wonder if like we have known these people like in past lives like you said or, or if uh yeah, right. I mean, this life is definitely strange. It's a lot more mysterious than it's a lot more mysterious than we think, right? When you if you really yeah. start to examine what our reality is, it's a lot more mysterious than what we think our everyday life is. Would you agree?
0: I I, oh, I definitely agree. Once you start uh, parting that veil and you know drinking that Kool Aid, you're in you're in a different, definitely in a different world where nothing is um, explainable like you thought it was. And the more that you accept it, the more starts happening to you. And as for how you met her, I my explanation is we have spirit guides that help us, and they will set up. They say you you never meet anybody by accident. That Every person you meet, there's a reason for it that either you're meant to have an experience together, they're meant to teach you something, or you're meant to teach them something or, you know, it's going to lead you in some direction. So I really pay attention to those times when um, I'm really drawn like it feels something different when I meet somebody it's like okay. And I'll pay a lot of attention to it because if for some reason this person is supposed to be in my life, then I need to, you know, pay attention to that and honor it because I feel like a lot of energy went into them making that connection. You know, her guides were probably pushing her towards you and you were, you know, made her more receptive and yours were pushing you towards her. And you know and it wasn't just a chance meeting you know it was like it's been building up to this probably all both of your lives you know you're going to learn something from each other you know maybe she is soul family from another you know reincarnation um or maybe you guys are going to experience something some kind of growth that you both need together
1: I was uh, i'm that strong too. believer
0: in that yeah i'm really strong believer in that and sometimes you know it's like, I think back to everybody that I've been pulled to and not all of them have been good experiences, but then I think, you know, there's still a lesson in that, you know, if I think back to even people that haven't been good experiences, it's like, I still, uh, I value those because it led me to where I am now, made me the person I am now, I wouldn't be here, um, who I am without those experiences, without those people.
1: Yeah, that's it's so interesting. Um, let me ask you this while we're we're talking. Um, one thing we went over last time, which was, is a, another really fun case, and I I think it's I wanted to try to have her on the show, but like I couldn't get a hold of her. It was Deanna Simpson, and I remember oh, yeah. me, you and yeah. Deanna did the show and it just Mm -hmm. seemed like her story was so amazing the stuff that she went through like she was really tortured too right i mean like it's her, her and her husband
0: oh yeah yeah i think her experiences um were probably worse than what happened at the victorian mansion so um and it's the same kind of story it's hers wasn't a victorian mansion though it was just a Little ranch house, you know, kind of a craftsman style brick ranch house on the corner. It looked just like every other house in the neighborhood. Nothing special about it. Small yard, nothing. And she was looking for a house and that one called to her for no really, you know, it wasn't one that you would really pick uh, if you were looking for the perfect house. And she was just drawn to it and she couldn't be convinced not to get it. And I feel like the house was insanely haunted even, you know, especially then. And I feel like they pulled her in because they were looking for somebody exactly like her. They wanted somebody to mess with, really. Um, There was not a lot of positive hauntings going on in that house. There were so many layers. Um, And I feel like, you know, between all the investigators who were there and um, just through Deanna herself, who was, you know, very much paying attention to everything going on, that we had identified like at least a dozen ghosts in that house. And also learned they had an open portal in the basement where ghosts were coming and going. It was like a open doorway to the other side. So who knew what was coming in and out of there? That's
1: and, amazing. Do you think something yeah. was demonic?
0: No, I do not. Um, no, I, you know, people jumped to the demonic so quickly. Um, and for me, I, you know, I always like visit the location, but,
1: Oh, you froze up. Let me pause it. I'll pause it because you froze up. Okay. There we go. We're back. So this isn't live, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Good thing. Um, so, I mean, I visited her house and I, you know, before I even started writing the book, I wanted to see for myself, you know, I didn't know Deanna. I, she seemed very nice, but I didn't know her. And I wanted to make sure that what I what she was experiencing really was a haunting. And so I went there fully intending on spending the night and walked in the house and they were all over me. And I can hear ghosts. So I'm Claire Audience. Uh I hear a tone similar. Shit,
1: you froze up again. Yes. Hey, guys, we're having electronic problems. It's, something's up with Zoom. I think it's the spirits, honestly, because this happens from time to time when you talk about spirits, just to let you guys know. Um, But what happens is Joni keeps freezing, and, and I, I'm pausing the recording. So sorry about the, you know, I'll edit this out. But anyway, <laughs> sorry about that. You You said they were all over you?
0: Yes, and I could hear them. So I'm clairaudient, which means that I can hear a sound similar to ear ringing when a ghost is near. And if I tune into it, I will get more information about the ghost and what they want, maybe how bad they are. And I have had a couple of demonic experiences and I can't hear demons. So my ears don't ring when there's a demon present. And I feel instead, I kind of feel it's hard to explain, but I feel very much uh, my fight, fight or flight kicks in and I always want to fly because I don't want to mess with demons and I feel like it's almost an oily uncomfortable disgusting feeling like I don't want it like I'm repelled like I don't want to be there and I never felt that at her house my ears were ringing and I felt some very powerful ghosts were coming in and they were swooping down on me you know to the point where i needed to get out of the house like i didn't last long inside the house i walked outside and and it was okay outside and i'm like i don't know how you live here
1: it's because you're of the light right i think it's if there's people that are of the light you 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 get a different reaction from entities other than like um you know uh than just a regular person you're 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 doing the work of god basically right i mean you're
0: yeah I, i mean i think so yeah i've had um i've heard listen to other podcasts where people have said if you're if you're a person of the light you'll never get a a negative entity because they don't have any interest in you Uh, um dark you know law of attraction dark goes to dark and i'm like you know you're missing something there because dark also wants to take out light because i am capable of crossing over lost souls And I don't feel like I've really utilized that to the extent that I'm probably supposed to, you know, maybe that's my path going forward, Um, you know, so they don't want that they don't want me and I write about what I experience. I put myself in some really dark situations. And I talk to a lot of people, you know, psychic mediums and mediums and just people who are sensitive and investigators. And I explain how you might feel a ghost. So I think I'm sharing trade secrets that they don't want people to know. So that's sometimes when i get the dark ones
1: you you know it's weird like i'm sensitive like i can pick up a crystal and i can get a, a bunch of energy from it like i can show you this right here like that this, this girl i'm seeing she gave me this like oh that fell it's a huge piece of selenite but when i mm-hmm. grab this selenite i get an instant rush of energy into my hands but yeah. my friends can pick up this selenite and they won't and not feel anything like from it Yeah. you know mm-hmm. but so and i also have psychic abilities but my psychic abilities aren't like as finely tuned as yours like i am a little bit intuitive like I can pick sports games really well you know if I make a bet like a, a lot of times I'll win I've tested I'll test out my intuition with that but what's interesting is I can't do a psychic reading. I don't think I can give anybody a reading and I can't tune into ghosts. Like there's a ghost here. I know there is, there's an entity in this room or in this house or on this property. Mm -hmm. There might be more than one. I don't know, but I can't tune into them for some reason. I can't even feel them. Like I, you know, like I, I, sometimes I take THC at night to calm down and you know, I'll just pass out. Right. And like, I, I, I don't know what this ghost is doing in the middle of the night. Like it's just weird. Like, But why do you think I can't tune into the ghosts or is it, do you have to have more of an ability or what?
0: Um, I don't know. Um, You know, everybody's born with, you know, if they're going to be a sensitive, they're going to be born with it. And it's usually passed down through families. Um, There's a lot of people, a lot of psychic mediums that believe everybody has abilities. And I don't believe that. I think you're either born with it or you're not. And, um, when I, I mean, I have been clairaudient all my life, but I didn't really understand what it was and I didn't really work with it. Uh, it scared me, you know, but I always had, you know, paranormal experiences, every house I ever lived in, there was a ghost there. And, you know, people are like, oh yeah, there's another ghost, Joni. you know, nobody else has had an experience, but then, you know, other people started having those experiences too. And I think that's a really good indicator that you're sensitive or have some abilities because you'll start having paranormal encounters. And the more you tune into it and the more you work with it, uh, the stronger it gets. But that comes with a cost, you know, because then you may end up having things follow you home because they want that experience. So. I always caution people, you know, it sounds like a lot of fun until 3 a.m., you know, your covers are getting ripped off your bed and you're by yourself and you don't know what to do about it. You know, there's a a point where uh, if you're going to open that door and learn about uh, how to advance your abilities, always have a good backup plan, study paranormal protection, have a psychic medium or shaman on hand that's willing to help you remove that ghost from your house if something does follow you home. And you talking about soul collect in the beginning, that was my mistake book that I, I wrote that book about I was coming into my abilities, didn't think I needed a backup plan, something really, really horrible, maybe the worst I've ever encountered, followed me home, and I had no way to get rid of it. Um, you what know, was and happening I happening
1: to you, if you don't mind me asking.
0: Well, you know, it's funny because, um, if you watch the paranormal shows, um, you know, there are couches flying across the room and, you know, crashes and cabinet doors opening and stuff. But when you're a sensitive or a medium, they don't have to exert that energy because you're aware of them. All they have to do is get close to you. And, uh, he was really trying to take me over. I started hearing his voice in my head and You know, for a lot of people, they'd say, oh, yeah, you're hearing voices in your head, Joni, you know, lock me in a rubber room. But um, I've learned that, you know, they can get in your head. They can give you messages. I hear messages from uh, my spirit guides and from my loved ones that have passed. And I was definitely hearing him and he was very negative. He was trying to he was trying to convince me to kill myself so that he could take me over. Yeah, and and he was just filling me with doubt and with every bad option possible. And, um, you know, I was deeply in oppression. And he doesn't have to be demonic to put you into oppression. Um, You know, really strong, powerful ghost that's been around that's learned a thing or two. Maybe he was a psychic medium in, in life. You know, when he died, he had more abilities than your standard average ghost And thankfully I did finally get some help. Uh, Otherwise I wouldn't be here talking to you.
1: Did you ever hear the um, the Deborah Moffat story? I don't know if you ever heard this. It's it's an amazing story. Um, it was an Art Bell episode back when he was doing Midnight in the Desert back in 2015. Um, he interviewed Deborah Moffett and she had this demonic encounter back in the 80s. Like it, the demon was writing on the window or on the mirror with soap, and it, it produced a spear, like uh like some really ancient spear. She said the demon told us it got it from the Congo. You know this demon was hilarious. I mean, it wasn't hilarious. It it did some really crazy things. This demon spiked the dogs on the fence outside. You know what I mean? Like you know, like one of those like spiky fences or whatever. Like, well, it did that. It killed the dogs, and it was after her mother. She said that um, that the demon thought her mother in law was uh was owed to him in a past life. Like you know, it, it was it's if you ever get a chance, like you should check. It's called it's Art Bell Midnight in the Desert. And in the case, it's called De- it's called Deborah Moffin. De- Deborah Moffin, and it's called a deadly haunting. And uh, I was just amazed at some of the stuff that happened. Uh, The fact that she even had Evelyn Paglini come and work with her. I don't know if you remember Evelyn. She was a witch that was on Art Bell all the time. And, uh, you know, she had Ed and Lorraine Warren go in there, which I don't know what you feel about them. I've heard from some people that they were tricksters and then other people said they were the real deal. What what do you think of them? Did you think they were Well, I
0: actually got to meet Lorraine Warren twice. Um, She was, um, she and... um, Ed used to do these college tours where they'd go to college campuses and talk to students. And uh, one of my friends uh, was in charge of the grounds maintenance at one of the local colleges. And we ghost hunted together. So Stephen called us and said, hey, if you want to come see Lorraine Warren, she's here today, you know, between five and seven or whatever. And we all went down and uh it was fascinating listening to her talk and they showed slides from the amityville horror and uh, slides from other things that they've done and um I got to meet Tony Spira. I actually gave him a copy of Soul Collector. I said, give this to Lorraine. So at one point Lorraine Warren had one of my books, which I think is really cool.
1: That that's but, real uh, cool. That's real cool. I think yeah. this, is, this is when you get that close to like the real, you know, like but I would yeah. say yours just as as experienced now as a paranormal investigator investigator, excuse me, than they were. They just had the popular case of Amityville. But I mean like the stuff you've investigated, like the Deanna Simpson story, that that story gave me chills. Like when we were yeah. talking to Deanna, like some of the things she said, like when she said she was in the kitchen and her husband got sliced, that freaked me out, you know?
0: Yeah. I don't want to take anything away from them because they did hundreds of cases that um you know that that, you know, were very relevant. They're just not talked about as much. But um I I think that they were the real deal. I really do. Um, I saw Lorraine another time when The Conjuring came out. They had an event, a uh, big buffet dinner, and they screened uh, the movie um, at the restaurant. And so we got to sit with Lorraine Warren and watch The Conjuring, which was fun.
1: Was and The Conjuring had... based on a r- real story? Sorry.
0: Kind of, yeah, kind of. It's based on uh, the haunting of the Harrisburg um house in rhode island and um they call it the conjuring house now but i think it was based on uh, a book one of the daughters that had lived there before had written and they took it out of context you know it's like hollywood they hollywoodized it and they told what they wanted to do i still think it stands as one of the scariest uh Horror movies I've ever seen. Um, it was terrifying, but not everything in the movie happened in real life. So, and that's one thing. Like Deanna and I talk all the time. We still, you know, Hanover Haunting's been out since what 2020, or yeah. I don't know. It's been out for a while, and uh, we still talk, you know, once a week or t- every other week. Uh, and one one of our big wishes is that Hanover Haunting get made into a movie. And, you know, it's like, well, you know, it does get a little scary because uh, they're going to do what they want to do with it once you sign those, you know, that contract, you know, you're out of it, you may be a consultant, and they may ask you questions, but, um, you know, and I think they throw enough money at you that you're going to be quiet, you know, Um, and you're gonna, you're going to go along with it. And so you have to understand when these are made into movies, they're going to put Hollywood vibes into it so that it's entertaining because i mean a lot of hauntings like deanna's took place over like 11 years and um you know if you can't dense that down to one movie it's going to look really spooky all those things that happened to her you know um but you know it, there would be lulls and gaps it'd be months where nothing would happen and they'd start to relax and i think that's the most terrifying thing because it was like chinese water torture you never knew when the next bad thing was going to happen and that's horrible. for them you know, it, it could be months apart and then all of a sudden something really bad would happen
1: you know that's it's scary insane. like i uh, 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 I don't even know where to go with that. Like I, like what all was happening to her? If you don't mind me asking, like if you, if you could just tell the audience, like besides, I know her husband got cut, but she experienced some really wild stuff. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, it kind of started. um, I mean, it started in the beginning. She started uh, feeling watched and he, he's, he was a pharmacist and he worked late nights and uh, she was often there in the house by herself and she just felt like somebody was watching her and then she started having this horrible nightmares where these two men showed up beside her bed every night and just glared at her and everything in the dream was like you know real life like her bedroom you know everything was in the right place except there, they were these two really angry men standing there and she got to know some of the neighbors she was trying to track it down and started suspecting that they might have been former homeowners and got in touch with an elderly lady that lived across the street and she said oh yeah and showed her pictures and they were the people different different owners like the first owner and the second owner which you know been you know 50 60 years ago and then the next one was like 30 years ago Uh, we're still haunting the house. So, you know, that says something, if the house is pulling people in and keeping them, you know, if she doesn't get out of that house, she may be hanging out there in the afterlife with those two nasty homeowners. And, um, you know, that was something that I think she thought about a lot too, but, uh, she, you know, there's one, um, scene in the book where she was washing the windows. And she ran out of newspaper and she went to the other room to get, she had a big pile. And as she was walking to the other room, she felt hands in the small of her back and they gave her a shove. And she literally went falling, you know, oh my God. flying across the room. So, you know, most ghosts don't have that capability. Uh, I would say most of the hauntings I've encountered, um, they hang in the corner and they really don't want to know anybody to know they're there. Um, maybe they're capable of giving you an evp if they feel compelled but not that many of them do uh for them to be able to break through the veil and be physical with you know because they don't have mass so how are they harnessing the energy and the power to be able to reproduce mass to be able to push mass you know um that that's always what has always freaked me out so i have been scratched before too and like you have been so you know the fact that you know if that is truly what's happening to you you've got a pretty powerful one there and you may need more than sage to get rid of it reach out to your psychic medium friend um she may be able to remove it for you but I i mean
1: i was thinking maybe the sage is just pissing it off
0: yeah i think too much credit is given to sage and also uh palo santo wood it's uh, i like the That's smell of them. i, both have, of I it. want to show
1: you yeah Real quick. yeah she gave me the she, if you can see this is a uh, sage it's palo yeah. santo yeah. because what i can do is i have a diffuser right here i have it going now yeah. i liked it because it, it brings a nice yeah. smell and right. i but what i did was instead of pouring like i she she gave me like cinnamon and eucalyptus and you know, yeah. just like regular oils to put in the diffuser because I was sick. I had COVID or whatever. But I started pouring the, the sage in the diffuser because that also gives a nice smell. And I figured, well, maybe that would get rid of the entity. But you're saying, no, that's not going to do it, right?
0: It's not. Yeah, it's not ghost remover. Um, what it does is it kind of neutralizes the energy in a house. And I think it works, especially if you burn it and you walk around, and you let that smoke go into every corner. Um, and it really... Um, it neutralizes the energy so if there's negative energy it kind of calms down the ghosts. And if you have ghosts there and so you can use that lull to talk to them about leaving it's almost like um i call it ghost volume (laughs) so um it kind of calms them down and sometimes you can get rid of it with that but i feel like the best way to get rid of something in your house is a shaman or a psychic um no, I've not had a whole lot of luck. Uh, sometimes I'll ignore them and they will go away cause they get bored of me, but I've got some really nasty ones in and, um, my shaman friend is the one that has to take them out for me.
1: Do you need to have the, uh, the, the, the person with the shaman or, or practitioner of the occult, or whatever it is, that's going to help you. Do they need to be in your house or can they do it over zoom?
0: Um, you know, it really depends on their abilities. There's a lot of people that can work that can work remotely, and uh, my shaman does work remotely. He doesn't have to go through Zoom or anything, and he uses he has warrior spirit guides. He's like gifted with this um, amazing ability, and uh, you know, I wrote a book about him called "Ruinous Souls." Um, he he's handled so many thousands of cases over the years, just people having horrendous hauntings and um you know he was deanna's rescuer in that story as well so not too many people could have cleansed a house like deanna's um but yeah he's uh, i sent him on a case this week people contact me with really bad hauntings and i contact him to let us see if he's up for it um chances are like this one involves a child and um you know, if there's children involved, Michael's there. I mean, he's he has a daughter of his own and a granddaughter that he's very close to. So, you know, and, and the haunting's gone. Like the next day after he does his thing, it's just gone. And, you know, people, that book never did very well because it was so hard to believe. It's like, okay, you're telling me some guy sent his invisible friends and uh they fought with the ghosts you know and and chased them out and like they didn't just chase them out they bound and banished them and sent them somewhere where they could never return again um so you know it really is michael like had a
1: warfare right
0: oh it is absolutely it's stuff you can't see and uh when his guides come in for me they sound almost like laser lights like they're really high pitched they're really strong uh, he has, I think, five spirit guides, and one of them is a Native American um, warrior, and he's the strongest out of all of them, and if I hear him, and he's a really loud sound, and I identify him instantly, then I know that my haunting is so bad that Michael sent the top dog out to uh, to take care of it, and, and it's gone. It's gone the next day. It's sent somewhere where it can't affect anybody, and uh, his guides check in on me periodically. I've noticed I've had a few. And then they're gone. And I think that's probably Michael's guides just kind of swooping into clean house every once in a while for me. So I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Michael Robichaud. He, he's, he's saved my life so many times I would be, uh, I don't know. I would probably be in a rubber room right now talking about, you know, the ghost. (laughs) um, Oh, I wanted to ask you about
1: these. Like I got this the other day at a metaphysical. I went to a metaphysical, let me hold it up for the camera it's um i got this at a metaphysical fair okay it's a what's a black bag mm-hmm. but on the side it says i'll read it to you it says italian charm bag archangel michael for protection and then it has like a prayer to Ar- Ar- archangel michael but it says what's in here it's a uh, charm herbs crystals and prayer work now i got this off a of white witch there was a white witch at a metaphysical fair mm-hmm. i told her what was going on i got this and then i got i because i tend to buy into these things i got this uh protection uh jar you know i i don't know if it it, it works or what i mean like sometimes i feel like am i spinning my wheels on this stuff but like do you do you think this stuff can kind of work if it's blessed right and stuff yeah
0: um you know it is basic witchcraft and you know there's nothing wrong with witchcraft i have used witchcraft before as well i have a lot of friends that are witches um you know and if they're Wiccan, they do nothing but positive spells like they won't you know do harm to anybody so they, they're very good at protection. Um, and I think it's your belief in it. So if you believe it's powerful and if you believe it's going to work, then you're putting power into it. You're charging it, giving it the ability to do what it needs to do. Um, the minute you start discounting it and saying, oh, this is just BS, then you in- instantly eliminate its power. So, you know, fully believe, you know, I've had things like that work before. Um, I used to carry... Uh, black tourmaline in my pocket you know in fact I probably should keep doing that but you know because it it absorbs and repels negativity so keeps you from getting something bad Um, I've been on cases where I've had them put it at all four corners of their house and you know it's enough to basically ward the house and keep them from getting more ghosts so you know it's what your belief system is and how much how far you're willing to go to to charge it up and believe in it
1: that's so cool. That's so cool. Now, before we go, we've been going about 50 minutes. So I have, we can go about 10 more minutes. I, I wanted to, or well, we can even go longer, but, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. I, I just want to ask you about two more books that you've written that sound really interesting. One was 2015 Devil's Toy Box, A True Paranormal Story, and then Demon alamode Mode. I'd love to hear about both of those books. Um, okay, so
0: Devil's Toy Box. Um, there was uh, a lot of talk about devil's toy boxes back when I wrote that book and that's basically a mirrored box and the theory was that you could trap a ghost inside the mirrored box lure it in and trap it in and um, I chose that title because I felt like I was trapped in a devil's toy box I was newly married and you know like I talked about I'd had so many paranormal experiences my whole life uh, as soon as we got married, after two years, we bought a house and I found out I was pregnant the minute we moved in. And I on started having paranormal encounters right off the bat. Like I started feeling like somebody was watching me and I'd hear movement, you know, in the same room, like something would skitter across the dresser. And uh, I, you know, just sounds and footsteps and we just had so many things happen. And At first he didn't believe it, you know, definitely drove a wedge between us because he was telling me that I had a, just like my parents did when I was a child, that I had a really good imagination that there was no such thing as ghosts. And it really, you know, it didn't do anything for our marriage because I needed him to be there to support me and help me. And he was, you know, kind of throwing shade at me. Like, you know, this is not happening until things started happening to him as well. And uh, we were in that house for 11 years, which is funny, because that's the same amount of time Deanna was in her house. And I'm not going to say my paranormal encounters were as bad as Deanna's, but they were they were bad enough. Um, just that terror. You know, I've had people comment on reviews that, oh, that's not scary. And it's like, you know, if you're reading a lot of things that have been embellished, you know, a lot of hauntings do not manifest like you see on TV. And a lot of books are fabricated Uh, a lot of movies are fabricated paranormal shows are fabricated this is what a real haunting looked like and it was terrifying um you know and it all started uh when we moved into that house i was feeling it but it got really worse we had a basement we uh we wanted to refinish and turn into a family room and there was a really old workbench down there it was obviously some man's workbench from you know 50 years ago and my ex-husband now ex-husband moved it outside and um tore it apart and hauled it off to the dump and that's when things got really scary and he started having experiences as well and uh they came to a point first um yeah yeah oh yeah definitely i think um probably the pinnacle was um i had been away um visiting family and came back and um there was writing on the wall in the basement right next to a fish tank that he had installed it was written in chalk and we didn't have any chalk in the house and it said i'm here woman and um yeah and he knew he had been there by himself in this house you know nobody else had been there and he had just installed that wall around the you know it was a built-in fish tank and he was really happy to show it to me cause I had always wanted a fish tank built into a closet so you could see it on the other side and access it. And there it was. And, um, you know, so he started, I think that was a point in time when he really started believing in it and more and more things just happened. Um, you know, there's not the height of, um, the haunting where, you know, somebody almost got killed or anything, you know, it's my true story. So, um, I don't now, know. It would, would you say to- that was more demonic? no it wasn't no that wasn't demonic it was just a nasty ghost um and then as for demon a la mode that's um that's one of my fictional books it's the second book in my shelby and fugly series uh the first book is crazy dead people so uh that follows um a woman who is a talent scout or a a location scout for a paranormal tv show and those people really do exist they go out and they look for good locations and You know, do a little investigating and then uh, find the hot spots, find people for the, you know, the stars in the show to interview. And, um, you know, unfortunately for her, she's a sensitive and, you know, she's pretty much she's a lot like me, just younger. And uh, she keeps having these experiences. And she has a dog with her Her dog's name is Fugly, which adds a little bit of humor. Um, You know, and I'm an animal lover, so I'm going to always have an animal in there if I can. Um, so I, I need to start writing book three because people are starting to harass me. So I'm hoping November, once I get through ghost walk season in October, November, I can start focusing on getting that book done.
1: That's cool. And what about the spirit board? What What's that? What's that about? Um,
0: that's another uh, that is another series, it's a fictional series, so it's the Winter Woods trilogy, and um, it just follows uh, paranormal experience, people, uh, teenagers. Um, move into a town and everything is so strange and um, they start to try to unravel what's going on so it's an interesting series do you books. find
1: that a lot of your fiction is based on nonfiction, but you make it fiction oh, yeah. to spice absolutely. it up a little bit
0: absolutely absolutely it's um you know like especially with the shelby and Thugley books nothing in those books has that i write about hasn't either happened to me or somebody i trust and know So I stick to, and that's really why I started writing it because I would try to read paranormal fiction and they'd be like pulling out, um, I don't know, equipment that doesn't exist that you see on movies and and they made it look like, you know, like this was realistic and, and it just would make me so angry. It's like, that's not how it works. So I wanted to write a book that was true to life, but with a fictional character. So I was able to you know, um, I, I got some pretty intricate plots to devils are uh, demon a la mode uh mode. It actually has a backstory that's that's true uh, about a town that was uh, a hidden uh, demonic cult. So uh, people, you know, from that era, you know, would maybe recognize it.
1: Uh, was it based on a real cult that existed in, in, in or, or like or something like yeah. that?
0: yeah a story that i got passed down to me uh
1: that was we'd seen like in the 70s and 80s and 90s Mm -hmm. that 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 was like real big like like demonic worship or satanic worship right yeah
0: yeah. um there was a a satanic panic period where um people were accusing everybody of being um practitioners and and it it wasn't necessarily true um but you know it, there was, you know, there's always going to be a basis of truth in it somewhere. And, you know, there were satanic, you know, I mean, there's still, I mean, I had to really uh, not cross a line because um, there are um, uh, people who worship Satan who aren't necessarily bad people. Uh, these people were like a rogue. They weren't part of the, um, the the main group. You know, they they did their own thing. Like, Um, it it was interesting researching that book because um, they don't uh, believe in sacrifices or harming people or anything like that Uh, but you know in the you know demonic group um, they do you know they do sacrifices and you know that people started disappearing in that in that book and you know, some people were, were ritually sacrificed. So oh, I had God. to be careful not to get the satanists after me <laughs> because, you know, they don't necessarily do that stuff. So there's different levels of everything. You know, if you get into it, do research.
1: Yeah. Um, I was they're actually, not all bad people. Yeah. I was able to have, um, Carl Abram, Abrahamson on my show. He's like, um, he, he worked a, a lot with like Antoine levey and with the church yeah, of yeah, Satan. Yeah, and he gave yeah. me a whole new understanding for what Antoine LeVay was trying to do it was like more like it seemed like that like he he was trying to present satanism as like a like a philosophy and it almost became like a like a rock star type thing you know it was like it was cool because it was going against Christianity right that's what it seemed like to Mm -hmm. me
0: yeah yeah definitely it was just another way to practice you know um, some I don't even want to really call it religion but it was something of that sort it was almost atheism but Uh, in a different level yeah yeah so i mean you know i you know we've interviewed some people um on another the show used to be on that were satanists and you know they weren't gonna gonna going out sacrificing people's cats or you know anything like that they they didn't believe in that um you know it's it's really interesting it really is when you get when you really dig into it And i did a lot of research for that book so it's pretty accurate
1: that's that's so cool. I, I yeah, I'm gonna have to get that because I, I I've always had an interest in cults and like why people join cults and and stuff like that. That's like it's it's very bizarre to me, you know. Mm-hmm, like if you look definitely. at like the Manson murders and stuff, like how like mm-hmm. someone could have that much control over people is like bizarre. Like I, I, what and how do people let themselves be controlled like that? You know.
0: That's- and and maybe what was controlling Charles Manson or some of the other serial killers,
1: yes. you know, that's
0: always has fascinated me. You get these really really dark, you know. Maybe it was demonic. Maybe it's a really nasty ghost. I mean, Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, um, you know, he he was really dark, and you know, you could look at his eyes and you could see evil, and you know, have to wonder, you know, was he possessed was he being led by maybe he was bad man to start with and then he had something really bad attached to him pushing him in that direction. Same thing with Charles Manson. Um so I don't know. You know, it's and and then you get these charismatic people, you know, um that are able to get people to do whatever they want to. It's you know it's why why we do what we do, why we're investigators, why we're researchers, is because we want to know the answers to those things and we research it and we try to figure it out. And, Sometimes it doesn't come to us, you know, instantly. It may take years or decades to to learn a little bit of information. So, you know, it's why 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 I do what I do.
1: Yeah, it's like the the paranormal is a learning process, right? It's always a mm-hmm. never ending I mean, learning process.
0: Right. Right. Definitely.
1: Well, this has been amazing. I could probably talk to you all night about this stuff. Like, This was a really cool show. I think it's going to be really well received. So thank you so much. And if you could tell everybody where they can find your books and where they can find your website and all that stuff.
0: All my books are on amazon.com and some of them are at local bookstores. Um, You know, if they don't have it, you can ask for it and they can order it. Um, if you want to learn more about what I do and my ghost walks and my books, um, JoniMahan.com. If you can't remember how to spell my name, it's also HauntedNewHarmony.com. That's a little bit easier to remember. So it brings you to the same place. And I have paranormal blogs and all kinds of information on there.
1: Real quick with these ghost walks, do you guys get encounters with ghosts too? I've seen some of your ghost walks. They look amazing. I was looking at your website today. I think it's so cool that when you go on these ghost walks with these people, that these people are so into it that they dress up too. Like they dress up like ghosts and and ghouls and, and, you know, and people just get real into the spirit with these ghost walks you do. And I was like, that is so cool.
0: Yeah. And especially right around Halloween, we're, we're all going to dress up this next weekend coming up and, um, It's fun. Um, You know, sometimes people do have things happen, especially in October. I mean, the veil is thinning. The veil thins as it gets closer to Halloween. And people have been having more encounters. I've had a couple people touched on the walks. And uh, one of my walks, we do a dowsing rod session. And we've learned it's crazy. We do the same location. We do a dowsing rod session. And we get almost exactly the same answers with different people, you know, different people coming on the tour, uh, I don't prompt them, you know, oh, there's a man here and a woman here. And sometimes a little girl, we've learned that a little girl sometimes follows us from one of the locations that we talk about. And, uh, we've brought equipment and we've actually, um, you know, we brought an SLS camera, which shows the stick figures. And, uh, we had a little girl show up at one of our locations that we have also picked up at, um, the place where we've, first found her so she follows our ghost walks which i think is kind of interesting
1: and she's so. a ghost like she follows mm-hmm. you all the time
0: mm-hmm. and just on the ghost walks hopefully And well, she goes is the yeah, town really haunted so. sorry oh yeah the, the town is incredibly haunted uh locals will tell you new harmony is a thin place that the veil between the living and dead is thinner here and uh, there's a lot of history the town was founded 1814 it was, you talk about your cults. This was founded by uh, two groups that were looking for uh, utopia. So, this was two attempts at s- a communal living and um, one successful, one not so much. But um, it's a very unique town. And, I, you know, Google New Harmony, Indiana, and see all the history. And, you know, we talk about the history a lot on our ghost walks. So, people are always amazed that we're not just taking them and telling them spooky stories, we tell them, you know, um, this house didn't originate here. It started off on Main Street. Somebody wanted to save it and they put it on a truck and moved it here. You know, here are the people who built this house. Here's who lived here. Who's Here's who we think haunts it. And here are some of the things that happened. And, you know, every house has a story. I mean, I feel like we've carved out two separate ghost walks out of one small town. I mean, our population here is 800. Hmm. So it's a small town. We've got two separate ghost walks. And I feel like, if we really tried hard, we could probably have a third one if we needed to. Wow.
1: Are a lot of the buildings old? Is that why too? A lot of the buildings? yeah, like...
0: A lot of old buildings. Yep. A lot of old buildings. Yep.
1: Oh, wow. That's amazing. I'm going to have to come down and see it. I, I, that's, that's so cool. I, 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 uh, I, I applaud you for what you do. I, I love that. I'm so into the paranormal that like, I just, I love, I really love stuff like this. I, I, I thank, uh, yeah. Thank you again for doing this. This was so really cool.
0: Yeah. Oh, I was happy to be on. Thank you for having me yeah. again. What is yeah, it? My again, third or fourth and I'd love poem? to have yeah. you on again.
1: I, I mean, I feel like yeah. I can talk to you about this stuff like so easily, you know, it's cool. Yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely. I'd love to come on anytime you want, you know, just ask and I'll be there.
1: All right, cool. Thanks. Have a good night.
0: Okay. You too. All good right. seeing you again. You Bye. too.